Creative Babble. This is part 11 of what was supposed to be a 10-part series. If you made it this far, you know that this podcast series contains explicit language and topics that are not suitable for children. Previously on Pretend, the postal inspector and the detective assigned to this case believed that the Rodriguez's oldest daughter, Logan, may be responsible for sending these harassing messages. Did you know that there was stuff on your daughter's phone that the postal inspector found that you, I don't know if you guys are aware of it? No. Like apps and stuff that she's talking to other people? Did you know that? She, she, she told me that, but she said that they were old and she like used them maybe once or twice. He said they were pretty recent, recently deleted. Oh. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. However, there are no official suspects and no one has been charged. One thing is true, and I want to make this perfectly clear. There is zero evidence, no evidence that Dr. Gresman nor her husband are involved in any of this. Whoever's sending these messages lives inside the Rodriguez's house. Point blank, end of story. The Instagram accounts initially used by the stalker were created using the Rodriguez's IP address and were created before Chelsea, their disabled daughter, ever became a patient of Dr. Gresman. I'm sorry, I'm just having a hard time trying to figure out why he would target you and go through all this. I think the, the, the reason why is because she grew to not like my wife. I remember... A, yeah, but it started before they were seeing you. Someone pointed this out to me, and I think it's a great observation. It takes weeks, if not months, to book any type of specialist appointments. Oftentimes, you need a doctor's referral. You don't just make an appointment and show up the next day. That's not how it works. So, the Rodriguez's knew about Dr. Gresman way before they ever became patients. And this whole notion that the doctor and her husband are motivated to send harassing messages simply because they just didn't like this family is absurd. In fact, the stalking started after the Rodriguez's had a disagreement with Dr. Gresman about a surgical procedure for Chelsea. Coincidence? Hmm. There are seven people living in that house, and six of them are possible suspects. In today's episode, I'm going to narrow down the suspect list. I'm Javier Leva, and this is Pretend. Stories about real people pretending to be someone else. Picture this, a foggy evening, the whisper of secrets in the air, and an invitation to step back into the glamorous and mysterious 1920s. That's the backdrop of June's Journey, the game that's been keeping me glued to my phone lately. Instead of doom scrolling on social media, I am actually playing the part of June Parker, a daring detective with a personal mission to solve her sister's murder. And let me tell you, it is a roller coaster of emotions and puzzles. What's to love? Well, first of all, the thrill of hunting for hidden objects. I'm a sucker for these kinds of games. It's kind of like those books that we grew up with, but with a storyline that keeps thickening. Plus, the game takes place in New York to Paris, uncovering clues of scandalous family secrets that make you feel like a real detective. If you're ready for a dose of mystery, romance, and the glamour of the 1920s, June's Journey is waiting for you. Download it for free on iOS and Android, and let's see who cracks the case first.
The Rodriguez's insist that no one in their family is behind the cyberstalking. But one thing is indisputable. Those messages are coming from inside the Rodriguez's household. How do we know this? Because the authorities subpoenaed Instagram and Cox Communications. Both companies independently confirmed that the IP addresses are associated with Claudia Rodriguez's account. And like I said, the accounts were created way before Chelsea Rodriguez was ever a patient of Dr. Gresman. Claudia and David argue, how could they have created these screen names if they didn't even know the doctor existed? Well, let's talk about that because I did a crappy job of explaining that in previous episodes. When you create an account on Instagram, you're assigned a user number. You can change your profile name, handle, but your user number always remains the same. So the Instagram account with the profile name Grace Gresman's Vagina Lover, well, that could have been created prior to the Rodriguez's becoming patients of Dr. Gresman. It could have just had another profile name. And then, presumably, they changed it after they became patients. The bottom line is, it doesn't matter what the profile name is. All that matters is that the accounts were created prior to Chelsea becoming a patient, and it was created using the Rodriguez's own IP address. Also worth noting is that I don't have the full subpoenas from Instagram, but the detectives do. They should be able to see a complete account history, all of its activity, plus any previous screen names. And they could take it even a step further. They can subpoena the voiceover IP companies and track down the devices used to send the messages. But all that takes time and resources, resources that the Rodriguez's have already wasted. I called up Claudia and David to let them know that the podcast was out. How's it going? Um, we're doing good. We're currently in um, Los Angeles. Oh, really? That's cool. On vacation? Yeah. I sent them the first 10 episodes, and, and at first, they loved it. In fact, get this. They listened to all 10 episodes in the car as a family on their way back home after their vacation. Yeah, presumably even their nine-year-old adopted son listened to this stuff. I'm really hoping that they used headphones, but I doubt it. And like I said, they loved it. Claudia texted me and said, quote, You did an excellent job. Some of the events are twisted, but it doesn't really matter. It's great. But the rave reviews for my binge-worthy season on them came to an abrupt end around episode 6. That's when things started to fall apart. I started getting the feeling that they might be regretting ever reaching out to me. And you want to know what they found offensive of all the things? Not the fact that their kids' medical complications are out there in the public or mentioning their son's criminal record. They didn't even blink an eye when being accused of medical child abuse. Nope, none of that fazed them. They were really upset that I didn't bleep out Claudia when she was reading the text messages. And why would I bleep out that part and not bleep out all the other disgusting parts we talked about? And they were very upset that I didn't list every little circumstantial evidence pointing to John Gresman. But all this quote-unquote evidence doesn't really tell us anything. The text messages, which I've read over and over again, imply that the stalker is someone sitting at home and commenting on the Rodriguez's comings and goings. Dog walks, headlights flashing at them, food being delivered. You know what? I have a pretty high tolerance for listening to people's bullshit. I try not to judge too quickly. I like to hear people out, but I've had enough. I'm done entertaining this ridiculous theory that their daughter's doctor's husband 
has dedicated the last three years of his life to torment them. I'm not buying it. And judging by all your emails, Instagram messages, Patreon comments, and tweets, neither are you. Dr. Gresman and her husband are the victims here and not the other way around. Somehow, Claudia and David expected us to believe that this guy who worked in the marketing department at Cox Communications for only two years was savvy enough to hack into their wireless network, tap their phones, and if that's not strange enough, use his own name while doing it. What kind of stalker uses his own name? It doesn't make any sense. I'm sick of peddling that conspiracy any further. Dr. Gresman and her husband have every right to press charges against these people. But each time they've been given an opportunity, they've refused. And the police have yet to make an arrest. Someone is sending these messages and that person needs to be held criminally responsible. Listen, I haven't even described the worst of these messages to you. They're too disgusting to read out loud. The things the stalker described doing to his own child is some of the most disturbing visuals I've ever had to read. I can't stress the urgency. The person sending these messages is dangerous and needs to be stopped. And that person is living under Claudia and David's roof. Could it be Claudia? Is she doing this to herself? Or is it her husband David? Or maybe both? Perhaps it's one of their kids. I think each and every one of them, with the exception of the nine-year-old adopted son, has a reason for lashing out at these parents. In today's episode, we're going to talk about each suspect one by one to figure out who in this house has the strongest motive. I want to bring back Heather. We heard Heather back in episode three. Heather is the person who introduced me to the Rodriguez's when they were looking to get their story out. She too was a victim of a sadistic stalker, except her situation was real. It's no wonder that Heather believed Claudia and David when they said they were being tormented. This is a conversation I recorded with Heather earlier on during this saga. I've read all of the text messages. I've experienced them through her as they were happening live. She would call me up. Oh my God, he's sending me all these messages. It is very clearly male. It is focused on sex, hyper-focused on sex, hyper-focused on sex with the wife Hmm. somehow, hyper-focused on killing his wife, which is unbelievably frightening. It's very aggressive. It's very juvenile, and when you look at it over a sustained period of time, it comes through loud and clear as a very unstable male who is looking for an outlet for his impulses. Heather firmly believed that John Gresman was the man behind the messages, but now she's had a change of heart. I feel like you've been on team for a while. Right. Like, I, I think yeah. you're pretty set, but your tone and like all your messages they seem like they're shifting a little bit, aren't they? Well, yeah, because when I was first introduced to this whole thing and I really had no idea what was going on. I mean, this is back when it all first started. Heather says that she was originally on the John Gresman camp because all the messages came from what appeared to be John Gresman's account. But now she's thinking about things differently. We can now agree that it's most likely not John Gresman sending these messages. So if it's not John Gresman, then who is it? Here's Heather again. To me, this whole thing is male. It's very male. Right, right, exactly. Heather and I read through a document with most of the text messages sent to the Rodriguez's. 
it's hundreds and hundreds of harassing messages. I read through those documents word by word. I didn't skip any of it. I read through it like I was reading a book of poetry. And it was just screaming male sexual frustration above anything. Could the stalker be Claudia and David's oldest son, Will? I mean, after all, he is male and a sex offender. Every time I bring up this possibility to Claudia and David, they dismiss it. They say because of his level 2 sex offender status, he's constantly being monitored. And they say that all he does is go to work and come home and do his own thing. By the way, let's not forget that he could go to Walmart at any given point and buy a device and not tell them about it. But I hear them. He's being monitored. Plus, she says that they have a good relationship. He's a know-it-all sometimes and will run his mouth, but we shut him down pretty quickly. But for the most part, he's a good kid. I mean, he's a man, but I call him my kid. But he's a hard worker. He does what he's supposed to do. He comes home when he's supposed to be home. He tells me where he is. Yeah, we have a good relationship with him. In a way, I think he's too obvious of a suspect. He's a 30-year-old male who lives at home with his parents. For the last 10 years, Will has stayed out of trouble, only getting into minor traffic violations. Nothing serious. Whoever is doing this is not laying low. They're actively mocking law enforcement. Remember the time the stalker called the police at 4.30 in the morning and they were all woken up at gunpoint? This stalker has drawn the attention of local law enforcement, the postal inspector, and possibly the FBI. If I were Will, I'd want to lay low. I don't think... This is a person who is, wants to go to jail again. He's already been there. So I'm going to set him aside completely. Plus, he's got the net nanny. She's got his bank account on watch. As far as motive goes, we don't have much to go on other than the fact that he might be smothered by his mother. Claudia claims that Will has a crippling autoimmune disease. But compared to the other kids, his health complications are minimal. But having an overbearing mother probably isn't motivation alone to carry out this hoax for three years. So it's probably not Will. Next is Logan, the Rodriguez's oldest daughter. I spoke with Logan and she adamantly denies sending these messages. I'm just really pissed off because I don't even know the stalker and... And I, it, the, the, the suspicion keeps coming back to me and, and I don't even have the time to be, be even engaging in this activity. I work five days a week and I have an alibi. I was in the hospital with no internet access when, when this was going on and, and I'm pissed off. I don't know about you, but my conversation with Logan sounded like I was talking to a hostage. She said all the right things, but her tone was heartbreaking. But let's consider her a suspect for a second. Logan says she doesn't have time to do this because she works late nights managing a movie theater. But actually, there's plenty of downtime working at a theater. I should know. I worked at a theater throughout high school. And most of these messages happen at night. Logan says that she has an alibi because she was admitted to a mental health facility during one of the stalking episodes. That may be true. I don't have any hospitalization records to confirm that. but. I'll take her word for it. Let's put her alibi aside. Why would Logan do something like this? Well, first of all, she's a 30-year-old grown woman living at home with her parents and sharing a room with her younger sister, Chelsea. They still treat her like a problem teenager. 
One day, Claudia even told me that she suspected Logan of vaping, and instead of talking to her like an adult, Claudia searched her car. I can tell when, when my daughter is being sketchy and lying to me, because <laughs> she has a very strong physical reaction to me catching her red-handed, so to speak. It's also known that Logan struggles with her Jehovah's Witness faith, which many have criticized for their fear and control tactics. I personally know firsthand how restrictive this religion could be on a kid. My two best friends in high schools were practicing Jehovah's Witness, and they couldn't even celebrate any of the holidays. We never talked about it, but we all knew why. Claudia also told me that Logan has been a victim of sexual assault by one of their fellow church members. Being forced into a religion that has caused you trauma at such a young age could be motive enough, but we're just speculating here. Personally, I feel really bad for Logan. I see her as a prisoner in her own home. She told me that she has little friends and no plans on ever moving out. I believe her when she says that she has nothing to do with this. Why? Because the stalker knows every detail only Dr. Gresman, Claudia, David, or Chelsea would know. So who else could be doing this? If it's not Logan and it's not Will, and it's definitely not the nine-year-old adopted son, then who's left? We'll narrow it down further after the break. We're going through the possible list of suspects. It's highly unlikely it's their oldest children, but it's always a possibility, right? So who's left? The Rodriguez's two disabled children. Think about it. These two children have experienced the most medical procedures out of all of them. Some, Claudia admits, weren't even necessary. Both of these adult kids have lost all personal rights. Even though they're now adults, they're not allowed to decide where to work or what medical procedures or medications is right for them. If you've lost all your rights, wouldn't you be a little pissed off? You have guardianship over both of these children, right? Or your children, right? Yes, we do. It's a serious responsibility because you're taking away that person's rights for a lot of things, like making decisions. And and I are responsible for making all major decisions for both kids when it comes to healthcare, financial. It's a huge deal. So, and what, what was the reason, like, is there, when you apply for that, like, what do you say, you know, what's the reason? Well, you have to have a paper trail. I requested both James and Chelsea's guardianship case documents. In the report, the probate court investigator visited the Rodriguez's home to assess the extent of the children's disabilities. In James's report, the court appointed investigator wrote, quote, James is verbal and appears to be able to answer most questions. He's able to read and write, use a computer, and a telephone. James appears higher functioning in regards to his diagnosis, unquote. In fact, it's also noted here that James even graduated high school. Yet, despite this assessment, the court investigator recommended his guardianship status. Why? Because the petitioner, the parents, Claudia and David, told the court that James is not capable of making sound and safe, responsible decisions because he lacks judgment. This whole time, I never suspected them because I just assumed that they were so severely intellectually challenged that they couldn't possibly be capable of something like this. But both of these kids can read and write. I don't know them, but just judging by all their medical procedures they've had to endure, I would understand if they had an axe to grind. 
Perhaps they are savvy enough to pull something like this off. I never considered this possibility until right now. Let's start with Chelsea, Dr. Gresman's former patient. I called up Claudia to ask her if there's any way that her daughter could be behind the stalking. Let's talk about because, you know, we don't talk about at all. We haven't because, you know, she is the doctor's patient. I just kind of assumed that she was not very vocal or, or like you mentioned it last time we talked that you said that sometimes people think that she's nonverbal, but she is very verbal when, when she's around you guys. So I never really considered, but if you think about in isolation, I mean, who else would know all these intimate details about the medical visits when you thought it was a security captain was there the whole time? She was sleeping. She was knocked out on meds. She was not even coherent. She was not even coherent. She had just come out of surgery and they were monitoring her vitals or whatever. And and she's had so much anesthesia over her lifetime that it takes a long time to wake her up. And then she's super grumpy when you do wake her up and not very cooperative. So she was unaware of what was being said and what was happening. But we know that everybody's always listening and everybody hears things. But here's one thing I cannot grapple with is why does the stalker only mention and not any of the other kids? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm thinking it's just because is the patient of Dr. Claudia says it's because Chelsea was Dr. Gresman's patient. But you know what? That's why I think she's uniquely positioned to be the stalker. She's been to all the doctor's appointments. How would the stalker know the details like dates, long list of her doctor's appointments and procedures? Only the doctor, her parents, and the patient should know this. I don't know. Here's Heather again, who's been analyzing this case with me since day one. She seems very unlikely to be a suspect. I don't know. She physically looks like... She's not as developmentally advanced as the rest of the kids, you know? She's not, but I read her responses to the harassment that she got, that they were included. I mean, cruel, cruel and vicious, all right? And her responses were very lucid. They did not sound like somebody who has a disability. It sounded very clear. It didn't sound like somebody who was struggling to communicate at all. Here's the exchange Chelsea had with the stalker. The stalker wrote, I'm not sure if you know me, but I found you on here somehow. I saw you once in recovery when you had a procedure. Ha ha. Chelsea's response, quote, Yeah, please leave me alone. Trying to sleep. The stalker said, Ah, oh, did I bother you? Ha ha. So how do you feel not being able to see Dr. Gresman anymore? Adulting sucks, huh? Good luck having to go to an adult hospital where they don't give a shit about inflicting pain on you while you're awake. Ha ha. Chelsea's response? Okay. If that's the only reason why you're contacting me, is to rub it in my face, then my only favorite doctor doesn't want to see me anymore. Then that's just sad. Keep talking and keeping me up. All of this is going to be seen by my parents, and I'm politely telling you to stop. The stalker said, Oh, your stupid coward parents? FYI, they're the ones who are at fault for why Dr. Gresman doesn't want to see you. So no need to lash out at me. I'll keep on talking. Chelsea's response? 
No, they aren't. Just stop. It's all you. You're the reason why I can no longer see my favorite doctor anymore. And the fact that you don't have empathy for ruining my bond with one of my favorite doctors just shows how sick-minded you are. I'm sure you know a hell a lot about me. I've been through a lot. I've seen a lot of doctors. I have trust issues with almost every doctor I've been treated by because they don't care about my anxiety issues. With Dr. Gresman, it's different. She's the only doctor I feel comfortable seeing. She's the only doctor who I trusted. And not being able to see her anymore over something you've done totally shattered my heart. So just stop. Now I'm done for the night. You're not worth my time, so bye. Also, thanks for making me emotional and shed a few tears. Ever since my parents told me about everything that's been going on, it's caused me to have major depression and anxiety issues. And to have you bring this out of nowhere just made all my anxiety come back. So let's sum up Chelsea's motivation. She's undergone crippling surgeries. I'm talking about brain, spine, digestive, and bladder surgeries. She's been to every single doctor's visit. She's lost her rights to live independently. And like the other kids, she's a prisoner in her own home. But this theory still doesn't sit well with me. Most of the messages are directed at her. Why would she call herself retarded? What if this suspect were someone else in the family? Someone who stays at home all day, every day. Someone who listens in on every conversation. I'm talking about the Rodriguez's other disabled child, James. I th think it could be because think about it. Whoever's doing this sounds very male, very immature. To me, it always sounded like somebody imitating what they think a man would say. And now I get it. I'm not as immature as this guy. But I, I'm when guys get together and they start talking shit, I know what that sounds like. And yeah, but it's not like this. There's something very forced and and unnatural about the way he phrases things. It's like a lithium fire, right? right. It's like a blue fire of sexual uh -huh. frustration. Yeah, but then if you layer in a male with mental disability, then it clicks. It clicks. Yeah, right, right. I read all of that. I, I, I just inhaled the whole thing, and it was like, like one voice just becoming soundingly clear. Sexual frustration to the max. Heather says that reading all the text messages at once, a pattern started emerging. There was rage directed at both Claudia and David. And definitely rage at the father, too. I'm going to do this to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill you. Pow, pow. I'm going to blow your head off. You're a wimp. When you think about it from this angle, James Rodriguez starts making perfect sense. Then there's who is housebound no life, doesn't do anything, plays on his Xbox all day. He's a male. And hormones are a hell of a drug. And oh, yeah. males going through sexual frustration is like the bane of everyone's existence. Heather says that she called up Claudia to tell her that she suspects that James is the stalker. I'm going to get into something that I really wish I didn't have to. But I have to because I've been thinking about it. She's like, yeah, yeah. And I said, uh, have you thought about We haven't talked about I understand. It's awkward. The last person I want it to be is one of your own. All right? That's the last thing, because that's more disturbing than anything. And I said, have you talked to him about this? And she's like, no, I know my son. 
So without, like, I don't think I could recount the entire conversation, but I did say, look, parents don't always know their kids 100%. She's like, I know my son. You need to tell me reasons why you don't think it's him. Other than I know my son. The last time the police came for that swatting, the first swatting, came out and was there with me while the police were there. And I'm like waiting for the drop. You know, I'm like, and, you know, so that doesn't mean anything <laughs> just because he was standing there. I mean, I didn't get into it, but, you know, criminals often visit the crime scene. They go to their, where their bodies are left and visit them often. Arsonists like to show up and watch the fire, watch the firemen. I didn't say that, but I was like, that doesn't mean anything that he was just standing there. Heather says that during this entire conversation, James Rodriguez was just standing by. Unfortunately, was there listening because, you know. Well, she called him over, right? uh, Oh, no. Come down here and bring your phone. Meanwhile, there's there's a tablet upstairs. All right. And I asked her, have you ever checked his phone? And she was like, no. I'm like, well, why not? And I, I'm framing it as you need to clear your deck 100% without a shadow of a doubt and prove it to the cops so that they could move on to the next thing. By the way, I've since talked to the Rodriguez's about this, and they said that they checked all of James' devices and found nothing. She's like, do you know what a, a cervix is? Why, 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 why that in particular? Oh my God, I can't believe she's doing this. Because she's trying to prove to me that he doesn't know the meaning of things. And what did, what did he say? I think even like a 12-year-old knows what a service is. Of course, right. That doesn't is. mean I don't way. know. He said no. Of course he's going to say no. She said he didn't know what a ginger was. She says yeah, to him, course. do you know what a burner phone is? And he's like, no, not really. And so she's like, do you know what a burner app is? And he's like, no, I don't. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not going well. Right? Because you're just going to believe everything he says. She goes, well, whenever he, he gets caught in something, he, get, he cries, how, she says. And how demoralizing, right? I mean, absolutely. A hundred percently. I was really hating every minute of this. I was hoping he would have, like, gone into another room at a certain point. And I was trying to explain to her that maybe he's a little more sophisticated than you think. And then she saying, how much is six times seven? Did it, what did he say? I'm like, this is dumb. He's, of course he says, I think he's pretending a lot. Okay. And he may also be pretending that he's slower than he really is. So I called up Claudia to talk about this. Claudia was offended that Heather and I were starting to question James. Oh boy. <laughs> Here we go. There's no way that he could be behind this because there's words that he don't that he doesn't even know what they mean. And I don't need to repeat those words, but they're of a sexual nature. No, I got you. Thank God she spared me the whole cervix talk. We were this weekend or this last few days that we were at that hotel, there was a build a bear in the hotel and he's twenty three. He wanted a build bear. Yeah. That that just shows you the maturity is what you're trying to point out. Point out. Right. Like he he's food motivated. So that's what's it's either food or hockey. That's what is on his brain twenty four seven. How verbal is he? Is he Oh he's he's verbal. So like if I had he's a conversation verbal. with him, he would talk back to me and 
Yeah. You want to talk to him? Well, I mean, only if you guys feel comfortable with it. I totally feel comfortable with it. In fact, I don't want to put him in a bad spot. You know, like I don't want to no. make him uncomfortable. Yeah. He doesn't even know his times tables. Like I, I said, hey, what's seven times six? And he's like, I don't know, mom. You know, I don't know my times tables. He doesn't even know what cervix is, what the word cunt means. Like he doesn't know. He just doesn't know that what those words mean. Right. And I spoke too soon. Claudia is belittling her son just like she did with Heather to prove how slow he is. Very uncomfortable. Just gross. So he's very, like, infantile in that regard. Yeah, he's very much, like, there's things that knows. That kid is sharp. Really sharp. Claudia is now comparing James's intelligence with that of her nine-year-old adopted son, Alex. And she told me about this time when Alex was practicing his timetables in the car. And James said, I don't even know those. And so then, it, then he got embarrassed because he realized that his eight-year-old brother right. knew more math facts than he did. So it became a... Yeah. Well, I don't want to embarrass him. But yeah, I mean, it would be, interest, be interesting to talk to him. He just woke up. So um, can you come over here? Okay, here he comes. Javier just wants to meet you. Hey, so how's it going, man? It's good. Have you heard about me? <laughs> yeah, a lot. Yeah? What have you heard? Good things or bad things? I've been on, I've been in like the same, like around the, my, um, around the f phone. Oh, you've been around the phone oh, when no. I've been talking? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Do you, um, do you listen to podcasts ever? No. No. What do you What do you like to do? Um, I play a lot of Xbox. So, what what do you do all day? Like what 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 are your hobbies other than playing Xbox? Yeah, I do like tours around the house. Um just do like whatever has to be be done. You like the work? Yeah. That's cool. And and I do um artwork as well yeah hey so i saw that you were on on twitter at one point and but it doesn't look like you've been on twitter for a very very long time right yeah so i saw that on twitter that you liked some prank youtube channels Do, uh, what tell me about that he's thinking <laughs> i like a lot of just pages i don't I don't know about that one. You don't remember those? It was no. a long time ago. It was a long time ago. But I saw that you had retweeted a prank YouTube channel that no longer exists. Yeah, well, I, I, um, I retweet a, like a lot of like the pages. So I don't know, but it's one. Now, this could all be a coincidence. Everyone likes a good prank. But it sure made me wonder... Could it be that this grown man with a little too much time on his hands could be playing the ultimate prank on his parents and sister? Maybe he's jealous that his sister Chelsea gets more attention. Again, I'm only speculating here because I don't know James. And from looking at both Claudia and David's Facebook page, he seems like a sweet kid. He really does. And even talking with him, I don't get the sense that I'm talking to a maniacal stalker. If Claudia and David says he's a good kid, then I'll take their word for it. But I can't help but being suspicious after discovering his affinity towards pranks and the fact that he's always around. So I asked Claudia to see if she could help me make sense of this revelation. 
I did think it was pretty interesting that his first four retweets were for this prank channel. And I, I was surprised, A, because I wasn't even, re- I didn't realize that he could function at that level and form sentences and uh-huh. phrases. So I was shocked yeah. by that. And then I was also shocked by the fact that, I mean, I like prank stuff too. That doesn't say anything, but oh, it yeah. is kind of like, it made my eyebrow, you know, perk, perk well, up. So what, what are your thoughts? Well, there was a period of time, probably about seven or eight years ago, where we found this stupid prank dial thing. And we used it a couple times on like family members, and a couple of their teachers, a couple of their teachers that were a little bit strange. The kids were doing it. They did it to my mother, my father. They they were just prank dialing people, and it was funny because we, we would be in the room when the prank dial was going on, and we would be laughing, and you know, the reaction that they were getting, we were getting from the person that was being pranked. But that phase of pranking was a fast phase. Like they did it. It was funny. They went through all all the people that they figured they could prank. And then it kind of died down. For me, it's not like, aha, evidence. But it is, you know, it was just like, oh, okay. I never considered because of his condition and mm-hmm. all that. And, but now I realize that he can form phrases. He can. He is, he is interested in, in pranks. He is a male. Mm-hmm. I could see that when you compare the stalker and the way he talks to like somebody who, who thinks like a, like a, a young teenager would, mm-hmm. you know, I could kind of see that. And has that ever crossed your mind? I mean, is it out of, the realm of possibility that it could be him. I mean, it's a hundred percent not possible. He's he's home because he's, he's so yeah. He ha- he gets SSI. He he's not home because he wants to be home. He's home because he gets um, you know, SSI payments. The- SSI payments for those of you who don't know is supplemental security income. It's a government-funded program that provides financial support to disabled children, disabled adults, and senior citizens. Participants in the program can receive up to $783 a month, depending on their financial situation. Plus, the family may receive additional benefits for being caretakers. If he can even get a job. Right. So, plus he has severe pulmonary problems. He has, he has basically COPD. I just want to be like honest with you. I can't help but shake these things. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you're running down all these medical issues that they're having. And it, right. I mean, I got to tell you, it does sound, you know, Munchausen. it does a little bit <laughs> just because there's you so much here? of it. Yeah. You know, you know what I have to say about, about that? Yeah. I don't really care what people think because they haven't walked in my boots. That's that's true. That's true. And I always tell myself that because it's so easy to judge from a distance, right? But it is overwhelming, right? You know, like what, I, is, you know what I've told my mom several times, and I finally stopped saying it because she's not sympathetic. But I told my mom several times that I didn't sign up for this. You know, I wanted to have four healthy children yeah. who were able to grow up, function, leave the nest, and leave i alone to retire in happiness and that's not what's happened now we're responsible for two adult kids that that wasn't in our plans right but but going back to what you're saying it does kind of sound a little munchausen you have what appears to be munchausen and then you have 
who has no rights, you are his guardian, right? I'm just saying that the narrative, it's like, whoa, could could this guy be upset at his situation and retaliating, whether it is Munchausen or not? Right. Mm-hmm. I understand where you're coming from. But again, I really don't care what people think when it comes to the Munchausen subject, because they haven't walked in my shoes and this is not something that I would have ever wished on my worst enemy. It's been a difficult haul. I mean, for a while we were a revolving door with kids in and out of the hospital and it drove me crazy. It absolutely drove me crazy. I hold no resentment or anger. I'm, I'm an emotional type person and I'm coming from it from a mother's standpoint when I know without a shadow of a doubt that it's not my son. He is not capable of doing that. There's absolutely no way. There's nothing dark about There's nothing sinister about him. There's just nothing that points in his direction. It's just hurtful that that's kind of like your guys' spin. Well, no, I mean, I think one thing I think is that it's coming from your house, right? That's what I think, because that's what the evidence says. I've spent the last two years investigating this story, and the whole time I've been laser focused on figuring out who's sending these harassing messages. Is it the doctor's husband, John Gresman? Could it be someone in the Rodriguez family? And as you can tell, it is maddening. It really is. But the truth is that I'm not going to be able to conclusively answer for you who is sending these messages. Only the police could do that. But as time went on, I became less interested in the stalker's identity. With each passing day, I experienced this profound sadness for the five children living with Claudia and David. The stalking, in my opinion, is a cry for help. Next time on Pretend. It's the final episode on the series unless something major breaks in the story. We talked about all her kids being a suspect. And we've dabbled on this idea that maybe there is Munchausen by proxy going on. Well, we are really going to dive in and look at this story from a whole new perspective. That's next time on Pretend. Creative Babble.